Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. My guest today is the Caroline behind the legendary Caroline's Comedy Club in New York City. And I'm delighted to have Caroline Hirsch with me today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being with us. Oh, good morning. Thank you. So the club is now, is it 35 years old? It's 35 years, yes, since I started the first Caroline's and in, I, mm-hmm. yeah, in New York City. In New York City on 8th Avenue. And now you're in Times Square. We're in Times Square, and there was another stop down at the seaport, so this is the third club. And Caroline's on Broadway. We've been in for 26 years. Now, you have helped launch some of comedy's most notable careers. And I want to get to how you actually broke into the industry in a little bit. But but before we talk about that, I am curious, how do you know when somebody has the it factor? Well, you know, I think early on it was a process of, of learning, you know, what worked. But it was just from the beginning, you know, of seeing everybody kind of come through the club and kind of making it. I, It's, it's just they have their own unique voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at this time, after 35 years, I can pinpoint if somebody is going to have the right material and go on to have a, a great career, um, talent-wise, but that doesn't always work out. You can have all the talent, but if you don't put the work in, mm-hmm. that might not, not happen. Um, it's just something innate at this point. Can't tell you why, but only because I kind of like started the club with some of the best in the business, being Jay Leno, Jerry Seinfeld, Gary Shandling, Billy Crystal, Paul Rubens, AKP, Pee Wee Herman. It was like this was the roster, Bill Maher early on. So it it's was incredible. kind of seeing I know it kind of seeing those people early on yeah. and being able to to determine and now to use all that knowledge to see younger people coming through. Who are you sort of keeping your eye on right now? Who's who's hot or maybe sort of undiscovered and, and, and quietly, you know, rising up the ranks of comedy? Well, there's, you know, there's, I, you know, if I were to tell you that the people that I'm, I'm looking at at new talent right now, mm-hmm. it's, it probably wouldn't, it wouldn't um, register at this point. But out of that group of young talent that's come out in the last few years mm-hmm. of who we've been working with, you have like Michael Che, Michelle Wolf, mm-hmm. uh, Colin Jost, who's also a writer and, you know, one of the producers on, on Saturday Night Live. And there's a young woman, Michelle Bateau, who just went into the club right now and headlined last weekend, and she's on the rise. Um, we have Amanda Seals, not a household word, but this is a young woman that you will see more and more of. Yvonne Oji, who's at Caroline's during the New York Comedy Festival, mm-hmm. she's also a name that you may not know right now, but you will. Wonderful stand-up comedian. If you say we're going to know them, I believe we're going to know them. Um, oh, 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 you will. <laughs> now, before you, you broke into comedy, I understand you worked – at Gimbel's, for those of you out there who remember Gimbel's <laughs> department store, I do. My grandmother used to take me there. We used to buy amazing clothing. Um, <laughs> so tell me, how do you make the jump from Gimbel's to comedy? Well, you know, when I was at Gimbel's, I was what I was called was a market rep because Gimbel's had 41 stores around the country at that time in, in the Northeast. Um, no, no, in the Midwest, too. We had the Wisconsin branch, and, and we had Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and New York. So I was the market rep. For accessories, and I was told to go out in the market and pick the best things that I thought would would work and people would want to have. Mm-hmm. It kind of transferred over to the next business I'm in. I'm kind of like developing the best talent that I can find. Mm-hmm. So it, it's always in that kind of producing role, 
you know, where I was this buyer of accessories that went out and find that perfect scarf, that perfect handbag. Um, what I do right now is it was similar. It was like, you know, pulling the best out of the market and then working with it. Mm -hmm. And how did the opportunity, I mean, did you create this opportunity? Did someone come knocking on your door? Um, I had some friends who owned some bars in the city and they wanted to open a cabaret and they knew I was unemployed at the time. And they asked me to come in and be a partner of theirs. And then, and then they named it Caroline's and then I was hooked. So oh, from early yeah. on, I, I had a big interest in the club. <laughs> did, so did they, was that their idea? Somebody said, Hey, you know, we, we think we should like name it after you. Um, that was their idea. That was not my idea. That was somebody else's idea to name it after me. I love it. And you've kept it ever mm -hmm. since because it works. And I mean, and now people instantly know that, uh, you know, they're going to get some some quality talent and, and go see some quality comedy if they go to a Caroline's Club. Um, uh, we're absolutely known for that quality and a fun time, good food, great drinks, great entertainment and a wonderful night at the club. You know, you also were in comedy at a time, and, I, and I'm sure it's still true somewhat t t today. You know, as a woman in comedy, did you find that there were any challenges, any roadblocks? Were things easier or harder because of your gender? You know, I never thought that it would be easy, but I never felt like I was held back because of my gender. Maybe that's just how I grew up. I'm mm. not sure. Um, I get that question a lot people ask me, do you think, you know, because you were this, one of the first women in the industry, but funny enough, there was a lady in uh, uh, Mitzi Shore that ran the comedy store out in LA. Mm -hmm. um, and she ran that on her own. I, you know, she was married at one point and then won it in a divorce court w with her husband and she ran the club and she was quite well known for what she did. Um, so there was a lady that ran the club. I ran the club. I never felt that. I don't know why. Probably probably had to work double time to prove mm -hmm. myself. I had to prove myself that comedy was this art form that I thought was so great and wonderful and was underappreciated. And boy, has that changed over the years. Talk, talk to me about how our view of comedy, how we consume comedy, well, how we consume comedy has definitely changed now with the digital age. But sort of walk us through that because you were there during this sort of revolution, if you will, of, of how we view comedy. Okay, so let's go back. You know, technology has changed a lot of things o over, you know, the last, you know, 80 years. You know, we went from radio, there were comedy comedy shows on radio, then that transferred to broadcast TV, then that transferred to cable. Now, I opened the club in the early 80s. It was the time where HBO was just trying to prove itself. And Michael Fuchs had worked at HBO, loved comedy, and would come to my club. And he was the one that designated and gave people an hour special. Now, those hour specials really helped make the comedy business because it allowed people to watch a comedian they may, did not know. Mm -hmm. And then people went out to see that comedian. Hence, 30 years later, with the advent of streaming, it's opened a whole new world for stand-up comedians. As Netflix has gone oh, you know, out of its way to try to book every comedian that they know of. So it's helped our business tremendously because it gives exposure to the comedian. And that's not only here in the States, that's worldwide. So and that's a big leap. It's interesting that you say it helps your industry. I'm happy to hear it, but I'm thinking, well, if I can see this comedian in the comfort of my home on Netflix or HBO, why am I going to a Caroline's Club? 
Well, this is the old theory. Okay, so you you have there's a great music act you love, right? Mm -hmm. So you buy his album, their album, his album, her album. You buy the album, right? And then you go see the concert because you want to hear those tunes. Same thing with this. You see a comedian on 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 your what a video screen, whatever you're you're watching at this point. Mm -hmm. You're you're watching that person. You go, I love this comedy. I've got to go see this 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 person mm -hmm. in person live. And that's just translated to ticket sales. That's why the live event space is so popular today. So you see it sort of as um, an addendum to what it is you're doing and not, oh, not and competition. No, not competition at all. Actually, it drives ticket sales because people are now aware of this person that they saw and mm -hmm. they want to come out and see him in person. I think when people um, understand who you are and what you've done, I'm sure they want to hear stories. We all want to hear stories. You know, in the beginning, who were some of the, the young comedians? You mentioned Jay Leno. I know Tracy Morgan um, did some of his early stuff at your clubs. Who were some of the people on the stage um, early on in their career, but also some of the folks in the audience watching them? Because you had some big names. Oh, we, we, we've had, every, you know, Judd Apatow. Now, now that's a name people know as a director, producer of mm -hmm. films and whatever. Judd Apatow as a young, as a young boy, he was probably still in high school, used to sneak into my club <laughs> to do interviews with comedians. I didn't know this till later on, till the book came out. That's fabulous. I had no idea. He but had, he did, and he, knew, and he knew about the downstairs room that we had, which most people didn't know about because it was only there for a few years until I expanded the club a little bit uh -huh. and didn't use the downstairs. So he knew about that. I mean, you know, the night that my first few years being in business, when, when Pee Wee Herman was there, and Andy Warhol came in with a group of people to see him. Wow. So it was kind of like, you know, it was fun to see that. I mean, I, you know, I'm meeting Madeline Kahn that would come in. Every uh. movie star, Denzel Washington coming in to see Howie Mandel when he was on St. El they were on St. Elsewhere. Elsewhere that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just, it was when I first opened, it was like, it, you know, I coined it as in the eighties, I said, you know, comedy was the rock and roll of the 80s absolutely, and it really started to be where we had these mega stars you know you had a robin williams that everybody idolized at that time mm -hmm. um he had you know wonderful stand-up you had billy crystal actually billy crystal did carolines in the early 80s and what happened was he was he was passed over to do saturday night live like the first round crazy. so one of the producers came in and saw him at carolines and that next season, he was on Saturday Night Live. It was like a second audition for him. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. And they always said it, that Caroline's was like a, a good luck charm to a lot of comedians. Look, we do something called the Breakout Artist Series at Caroline's. Mm -hmm. And um, we give, you know, a new artist that we believe in um, a show of their own to prove themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's worked out to be really, really good for all of us. It gives the, the young artists some exposure. Mm -hmm. And all of the managers and talent agents love it because it just gives their um, client so much more cachet about what they're doing. What about um, women in comedy today? I mean, we know the household names, Chelsea Handler, um, mm -hmm. Sarah Silverman, Amy Schumer. But sort of how are women faring in the comedy industry now? Um, well, let's put it this way. You know, I do the numbers all the time. It still comes down to this about 20 percent of the people doing comedy are women, maybe 25 right now. And it's been those percentages over the years, except there are many, many more people doing comedy today. 
So we have more in that 25% than we had before, but we have more males doing it. I mean, there's an awful lot of people doing comedy today. I think that the one thing I can, I've, I've asked young assistants in the, in the office yeah. of why they wanted to be in the business mm -hmm. as writers, producers, whatever. And they said, you know, we grew up watching the daily show on comedy central oh. and they watched comedy central as kids. And now they want to do, they want to be in that business. They admired that. They mm -hmm. admired the writing, the producing, and they admired John very much. So that's, that's one of the reasons. The other reasons why it's now totally on the rise. I think when Tina Fey and Amy Poehler hosted the Golden Globes, mm -hmm. I really think that was a big breakthrough for women doing stand up or women just women in the comedy business. I really do. I really do. I really thought that was a turning point. And just, I mean, where did you grow up? Are you, you're a New Yorker? I'm a New Yorker, yes. Mm -hmm. Where did sort of your passion or interest in comedy come from? Was it like, born, was it innate? Was it like in your family? Where did it come from? No, it wasn't in my family at all. Actually, the opposite. Oh. Um, <laughs> they need I a little comedy. Was, yeah. I think I think it was from watching so much TV as a child, and always watching mm. Tonight Show and always thinking about you know oh those comedians were just so funny on there. I think that was a, a lot of it, and then a lot of it was really learning by the seat of my pants of what was going on, mm -hmm. and I learned how to market. I learned PR. I learned the whole ramit of what I needed to do to run that club. You know, you talked about um, your the HBO comedy special. I mean, that's really the way I was exposed to comedy. I remember watching mm -hmm. them and George Carlin and just thinking, wow, who are these people? They are, I've never seen anything like it. I, I would imagine that was um, sort of a, a turning point, a milestone in your career. When you look back, what are some of those turning points for, for better or for worse? Oh, okay. So, you know, we, I had the little club and then I wanted to expand it because we needed more room in, for, for a showroom. So I opened a little larger club down at the seaport. And what happened there was it just wasn't – There were, I had two other restaurants with it, the area. We went through a, 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 a very bad turn in New York City in 1987 when I opened. And then I started to look for space uptown again. So I went uptown. But in between that, A&E came to me, the network, and asked me to do a stand-up show. So I did the stand-up show, and it was on A&E for six years, and I really believe – that that gave Caroline's a really big national play mm -hmm. because people were seeing that all over the country and in Canada. And they'd come to New York and they want to take a picture on the stage or in front right. of a sign or whatever because pe people knew it. The show was a very big hit for A&E. It got tremendous ratings that time, way back. It wasn't the beginning of cable, but it was before the big boom in cable. Um, and we were very happy with that show. And I'll tell you, we had Ken John there um, a few weeks ago at the club. Hmm. And he, he's um, uh, hes a wonderful stand-up. And everybody knows him from, from all of his movie work. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, Caroline, I grew up watching Caroline's Comedy Hour. And that's why I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Wow. So, And, yeah, my first writers on that show were like Jon Stewart, <laughs> Michael Patrick King. I mean, Louis C.K., I mean, we had the rampant of, you know, of writers that were, you know, all of the, the people that were starting out in the business at that time. It's incredible. It was a great group. I mean, you really kind of have, you have the Midas touch when it comes to, you know, recognizing talent in the industry. I'm curious where you think, 
you know, the comedy industry overall is going, where it's headed with social media, with all these video streaming outlets now? I mean, is it becoming just so crowded it's hard to have a voice amidst all that? No, I mean, it is hard to have a voice among all of those different ways of getting your voice, but it, it does help you get your voice out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just does. It just, you know, with the tweeting, I mean, it's, it's just been unbelievable. So that gives you a platform. Mm-hmm. Now it also has created other YouTube stars and podcast stars. Correct. That we also, you know, work with now. So, so you've expanded beyond the physical clubs. And I know that you've had your New York Comedy Festival for years. In fact, you're celebrating your 15th year uh, this this fall. So congratulations. That's quite a feat. Thank you. That That is a feat in New York City. It really is. Anything yeah. in New York City is a feat. You trust better. me. <laughs> you know from whence you came. Yes. So tell us, we're curious, who's on the roster we're excited to know? Well, let's see. We have uh, this year, which it runs from November 5th through the 11th, we have Bill Burr, and he will be playing the big room at Madison Square Garden. We have Jimmy Carr, Mark Marin. Um, we have Yvonne Oji at Caroline's. We have Anthony Jeselnik. And we have a list of, of a long list of people that are, are uh, appearing. So when do tickets go on sale? Tickets are on sale right now for City Pass holders. Okay. Um, and then at the beginning of next week, they go on sale. NewYorkComedyFestival.com. How do you even begin? I mean, this just seems like something really tough to wrap your hands around. Uh, how do you even begin to put on an event like this and to also sort of uh, elevate it each year so that people come back for, for new experiences? Well, you know, we've partnered up with TBS, and that's added another dimension for us, um, where we've taken a lot of TBS is a partner of ours, and we've taken that and we've done these live events around the T- around TBS programming, and we'll be doing that at Sony Hall this year with special TBS programming. We also have Conan O'Brien coming this year, which has been phenomenal. I believe we have to add more shows with Conan because he's selling so you know he's going to sell out in a second. I can imagine. Um, but we're excited to have him here in New York, and that's also part of. Uh, he's part of the TBS programming. So we'll be, we'll be doing lots of, we add lots of layers. The first announcement of our talent, that's just our first announcement announcement of the large headliners mm-hmm. that we've booked already. But we come out and we, we, we give you another release on more and more shows that we're doing. We will have probably over 150 shows and way over 200 comedians performing. Just in that time period, in those few days? In, in a week, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, Talk to me about the kinds of comedy we're seeing. I mean, do you, we're, we live in such a politically correct time. Is it harder to do effective, impactful comedy in such sort of a PC environment? Well, you know, that I get asked that a lot. Um, you know, there are certain, you know, there are certain ramifications with being so politically correct. Um, being so happens, clean, right? Well, clean or, I mean, and it's not even clean. It's just being, as we say, politically correct. You know, um, the job of a comedian is to make, is is to find laughter in, in, in terrible situations mm-hmm. or in fun situations. And the PC culture is, not that it's hurting, it's putting a damper on comedians because it's putting restrictions and potentially ramifications on them. 
you know, God forbid they had said something many years ago, you know, people have, have brought it back up again. So it's, it's, they're watching their P's and Q's. And, and, and so sort of like uh, self-gatekeeping themselves, self-editing themselves could possibly hurt the work or hurt the creativity, the inspiration? I, I think it hurts the inspiration and the creativity. Yeah. I, I, I really do. But again, we all must be mindful of each other. Um, so it's the good and the bad. You, but you know what? Yeah. You don't want to blame somebody for what they've said, you know, 20, 20 years ago when maybe they were very, very young and didn't put everything together the right way either. Right. So, you know, we have to be a little forgiving of some of this. Mm-hmm. You know, people do things when they're, they're just, you know, they're young and they're just not experienced enough to know right from wrong. Sure. So. I mean, think about in your own life, right? I mean, our, your perspective changes on on some things and the way you'd approach things, things you'd say as you live a little, uh, you know, right. and, and get some experience. You have done an incredible job just from from looking at you as an entrepreneur and, and a woman starting her own business from the from the ground up in New York City and surviving many ups and downs through the, throughout. What sort of regrets do you have? What might you have done differently that maybe other people uh, aspiring to do what you do could learn from? Um, You know, I don't have any regrets. I probably would have been a little more aggressive in producing Hmm. Um, more TV, probably. I mean, that's the only thing. Um, You know, you know, you get to a certain age where you want to pick your battles, you know, and you're content with not you know, struggling and trying to convince people what's right and wrong, what should be on TV, might be on TV, whatever, you know, whatever that is. So it's like probably I would have, you know, done a little more of that years ago, you know, and I'm doing a little more of that right now. So it's it's just that that's probably the only thing. So you think even now, 35 years uh, since the first club opened, you're still learning? Oh, absolutely. You're only always learning. Mm -hmm. There's always something different. I mean, that's what I love about going to work every day. There's always something different going on. And, you know, if you're really excited about what you do, you're always exploring some other way to market the club, market the festival, Mm -hmm. expand the festival. So you're constantly working on it. It doesn't stop. (laughs) No, I would imagine it can't. I mean, you have to start. You have to constantly Mm -hmm. be innovating, right, to stay Mm -hmm. competitive. You have got stories and stories and stories, and we're so glad that you were able to stop by and share just some of them. I know there are lots more in that Pandora's box, but just some of them with us. Good luck with the Comedy Festival. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, Caroline Hirsch of the Caroline's Comedy Club. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast, and remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.